there's a lot of surveys out there that research that people have done about do people want to be in the office? Do they want to be at home? And the reality is like a lot of those results somewhere in between and without clarity. What we're seeing is people want flexibility. Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in the weeds expertise with today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guest by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B companies launch revenue-generating podcasts. We schedule interviews between you and your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up for engaging conversations. We handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com. Hey leaders, welcome back. I'm Noah Tetzner and I'm joined today by the co-founder and CPO at Poly, a software solution whose mission is delivering continuous insights for every people-driven process within your organization. I'm joined, of course, by Samir Dewan. Samir, welcome to Leaders of B2B. Thank you for having me, Noah. Looking forward to having an exciting conversation. As am I, my friend. Well, tell us about Poly. I hinted at the company in my intro, but sort of set the stage for the company as it were, if you would. Just sort of tell us, you know, what is Poly and, um, you know, who do you best serve? Yeah. So, so Poly is an instant engagement application that helps organizations turn employee voice into action. And that's really become part of every organization's priority, especially over the past couple of years, as we've shifted from an in-office culture to a very dynamic, hybrid, remote, distributed culture, which we're still in the process of figuring out. And so really that employee voice aspect has risen to the forefront and, and it's opened up this, this gap that a lot of organizations have had that they've realized that there isn't a great way to actually get to the employee voice. So that's, that's really what Poly does. How do you take employee voice, turn it into action? And we do it in three key ways. One is to meet employees in the flow of their work. And so we do build for our solutions offered in, in collaboration platforms like Slack, uh, Zoom, and Microsoft Teams. And so what we aim to do is meet people right in the flow of their work, which allows for us to capture a lot more voice, a lot more signal than your standard survey that somebody would send out. So that's the first key piece that Polly leans on. The second is because we meet people in the flow of their work and because these tools have this vast utility, we can actually gather voice from so many more things than your traditional quarterly survey or even a pulse survey. So we can span a wide range of use cases. And finally, the third pillar, which Poly delivers its solution on is action. That's where we go from voice to action. We try to rely on automation as much as possible. So relying on triggers in other systems of record. So for example, within ServiceNow, when tickets close or within your HRI systems, when employees turn over. And then also when, when feedback is gathered, we try to nudge and notify people to take action based off of the feedback and the data coming in. So that's kind of like the fan of how Polly meets people where they work to try and turn voice into action. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Well, tell us now, Samir, about who really you serve. I mean, you know, you, you meet employees within their workflow. Is there is there any sort of distinction? Are you industry agnostic? Are there, um, you know, types of organizations that you best serve? Yeah, so... 
We are very horizontal in terms of our, our, our applicability. So, you know, other similar companies that fall under this umbrella are companies like Airtable, where it's a little unclear who the specific persona is. And really, you know, the, the ability to gather feedback and data fans like this use case that, that meets multiple personas. And so for us, this tends to be applicable across a wide range of industries. So our customers range from tech companies that use these tools, but all the way down to, you know, financial institutions, healthcare, healthcare places. Basically, if you're a company that starts to adopt Slack, Teams, or Zoom, and you work in a team setting, then Poly can actually help gather signal, help make more productive conversations happen within your team. And so, so to bring it home, you know, some of these examples, part of what Poly does or, or part of Poly's user base includes folks running projects. So if you're running a project, how do you continuously gather signal on that project such that the product project continues to run smoothly, that you're leveraging feedback from the different stakeholders inside your organization to then go make sure that the project delivers on its objectives, goes course and course corrects as necessary. And you can extend that to people use cases, which is where we tend to see more concentration. And by that, I mean HR, employee experience, is really where our bread and butter is. So while we fan a wide range of use cases, people leaders and HR leaders and people managers are really where we see most of our customers adopt the product they'll leverage Poly to gather anonymous feedback as a suggestion box right within Slack or right within Teams or to continuously gauge how happy people are or what are their biggest concerns with returning to office. So a wide range of employee experience scenarios which tend to map to people leaders and people managers. Mm. And, and Poly delivers insights for people-driven processes within organizations what sorts of insights are we dealing with here? At least what sorts of insights have you found are most valuable uh, to your customers? Yeah. And so a lot of it revolves around that third pillar that I talked about, which is action. And so, you know, a good example to bring this home is, you know, Polly can connect to your HRI system, something like Workday. And as different things happen, so say an employee gets hired you know, that first 30 days, that first 90 days, and even that first week is critical to make sure that this individual turns into a productive, contributing employee within the organization that loves their work and loves working with the people that they engage with every single day. So leveraging that event within a tool like Workday to go trigger a check-in with Polly, you know, right within Slack, that might take just a couple of clicks to go check in how their first week is going. But using that event, we can go check in with different stakeholders, right? We could go check in with their manager. We can go check in with the employee themselves. And so onboarding and employee onboarding is a very important use case for our customers because that is a big part of the employee experience and the more intelligent you can make it. So for example, again, you trigger off of that event, but once the data comes in, you could use that information if somebody's having a rough first week to nudge and notify the HR business partner for that division or for that business unit. Um, you may follow up with additional resources by keying off of the feedback coming in to arm the manager with resources to make sure that they can course correct if they haven't actually done it yet. So various things that, that rely on the employee experience voice coming in, but then using events and automation on either side of it and onboarding is one key example for our customers. Mm. 
tell us now more about the genesis of of Polly Samir. How did you realize, you know, the need for this solution? Yeah, that's a great question because it has an interesting story which goes back to to my personal roots working at Microsoft. My co-founder and I we both met at Microsoft uh, in 2006. You know, we spent uh, a number of years there, but you know, over there we shipped products like Windows Vista. And for those of you that were around for Windows Vista know that that wasn't the biggest raging success in Microsoft's history. But like there was this weird, weird, um, as an engineer working on Vista, there was this weird feeling that we had internally, which is, you know, we're working on this project and we don't necessarily know how the world is going to respond to it. And it's a big initiative. And my co-founder and I had this thought, which was, what if you could gather that insight from the engineers, the product managers, the designers that are on the ground building this and combine it with all the other data that exists around the projects that or the product that you're building. So, you know, it could be bugs, it could be beta adoption, it could be customer voice. But if you could layer in that overtime sentiment and track it, that would be game-changing insights. But we thought what the only way to get to those insights is to send the, the engineers a survey. And we thought, what engineer is ever going to fill out a survey? And the answer is none, right? Like an engineer is never going to fill out a survey on some regular cadence. And so we realized, hey, if we want to capture this voice, we need to meet engineers in the flow of their work. We need to be a part of their work. We can't be an interruption to it. And that's really the genesis of the idea of Poly, which was meet users where they work. And at the time, there was this tool called Slack. Nobody really used it, but there was a niche group of engineers. Like it was popular amongst, you know, engineers, designers. And so we thought that might be a great audience to, to start with. And so we built our solution for Slack back when Slack didn't even have this concept of apps. Very quickly, we realized that Slack was going to change the game. Not necessarily maybe Slack, but this was a new way of working. This was a new way of collaborating. And at the same time, we realized that this isn't an engineering problem we're solving. This is an everybody problem. Nobody wants to fill out surveys. We need to meet people where they work, be in the flow of their work. And that's really that catalyst of that problem coming together with that medium of Slack, which was changing the way people were working. And we realized there was going to be this big change that would happen down the line. And that's 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 kind of how this these two pieces came together to form Poly. Mm, that's fascinating. So you you know, kind of the, the OG slack to put it in, in, you know, Western slang, you recognized that slack was really expanding, you know, within the horizon. It was going to be this, this thing. And now of course you integrate with slack along with, with other platforms. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the key, one of the funny things was, you know, I think we thought the world was going to change a lot faster than it did. And it took a pandemic to actually realize you know, that, that perception that we always had. And so we built our solution in 2015. And one of the, you know, one of the, you know, the dips or like the, the, in this journey of a startup that we have is that we mistimed the market. We were too early. And, you know, sometimes that kills the company, right? You mistime the market. You just don't, you're not there to realize the, the, the success, but we had investors that believed in the long-term vision of Poly. And so we were able to rally enough support and enough of investment that gave us the opportunity. And, and when the pandemic hit, you know, it was that moment that we had always anticipated that suddenly everyone else started to realize and organizations realize that there's a better way to collaborate. There's a better way to engage 
with my teammates, with my colleagues, with my customers. And obviously tools like Slack, Zoom, Microsoft Teams, and a wealth of others, you know, started to rise in prominence. And, you know, it went from the market not taking off, not taking off to suddenly the market took off overnight. And suddenly we were also not ready for it, right? Like it's this weird thing that happens in a startup where, you know, sometimes it just feels like nothing's happening and the next second too much is happening and you're trying to keep up and your systems are breaking. But that's just the world we live in as an early stage company. Mm. Remind me, Samir, you the company was founded in, was it 2014? Yeah, the beginning's a little fuzzy. You know, the, the initial idea was probably 2014, what the product, like the first version of the product came out in May 2015. And then we officially became a company in 2016. So like, you know, the beginning's all really fuzzy. Right. Well, it's fascinating to know that there was this four, five year-ish period before COVID hit, obviously. And I mean, like, it's interesting because there's a lot of tech companies that were founded, you know, around the time that COVID really took the world by storm. But you had been at it for a few years before that, that like watershed period. You know, what was it like kind of being, you know, perhaps a, a little more mature and then this this event that, as you hinted at before, changed everything occurred? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the things that it does for a company like us is it actually builds scars and like like good scars, right? Like these are battles that that the employees, the earliest employees of a company, the founders, the investors all go through. And so it's it sets you up significantly better when that moment comes because you've kind of taken some of these shots along the way. And so I think more than your technology, more than you know your features, the things that matter are how you attack the problem. And so for us as a company, right? Like it's not just that the product was in a state where we could take advantage of the opportunity, but the employees were, right? Like this is the way we had been thinking. This is the way we had been talking to our customers. And at the time it was like, you know, the earliest customers, you know, the ones that are at the forefront of adopting these tools and like not just adopting them, but moving into them. And so it was very different for us because our employees and, and as a result, the products that we built continuously on top of the infrastructure that we already had, it was significantly more, you know, battle ready. And I think that's the biggest thing more so than your product being ready is the people because, you know, your product is is at a moment in time and your people are things that that change the way your organization attacks opportunity. And that's really where we had our biggest moment is the employees kind of looked around and were all ready to go. And we all know what we need to go do. You know, no doubt you learned a lot of, of valuable and, and hard earned lessons uh, over the last two years, you know, but kind of knock on wood coming out of the pandemic, you know, here we are in almost April of 2022. You know, kind of tell tell us about, you know, where Poly stands in terms of the lessons you've learned over the last two years, where you're at today. Yeah, great question. So I think one of the key things that, you know, and this is also part of a learning for us, is that the world and organizations still haven't quite figured out how to best work with each other. And, you know, initially when the pandemic hit, everyone was like, well, we need to arm people with the tools, right? Like, hey, let's get them licenses to Zoom. Let's make sure they have monitors to work out of home. And it was all about enablement of like putting tools in front of people. And really quickly, like, you know, it evolved and, and we still hadn't solved those problems 
of how do we work together? Just because you give somebody a monitor and you give somebody flexible hours, you haven't solved the problem. How does the collaboration happen? And one of the things that's happened for a lot of organizations is they've, they've gone not just distributed or, or remote, but they've gone globally distributed. And so for us, one of the big realizations has been, how does the world of synchronous and asynchronous come together? And that's really a key part of what Polly does. And so, you know, Polly works inside Zoom, which is a very synchronous medium of communication and collaboration, whereas Slack is kind of semi-synchronous and email is asynchronous. And so if you look at these three pieces, how does all of this fit together? And how do we, for our company and our product, capture voice within this medium? And, and it's really about thinking about this world. So for example, if you run a town hall and within that town hall, you're asking the audience for questions for the leadership. It's actually only inclusive of the people that can attend. So how do you actually get to the voice of people who watch the recordings after or of the people that came to the meeting before? And so for us, our opportunity is thinking about this way of working. And that's really coming you know, two years into semi out of the pandemic to whatever we are now, you know, people still haven't figured that out. Organizations still haven't figured that out. People leaders still haven't figured that out. And that's really the opportunity where we have an opinion, where we have a perspective on how do we amplify voices? How do we bring a medium or a microphone to people who aren't traditionally included now because they're in different time zones? And so that's really a powerful problem to go solve when you talk about employee voice is the synchronous and the asynchronous. And for us, the tools and the medium that people use is very important. So we're not just limited to Slack or Zoom or Teams, which are these fully synchronous or semi-synchronous, but you know, like how do we get to the completely asynchronous voice and bring this experience where people still don't want to contact switch and answer surveys? So anyways, that's, that's where like that opportunity arises and that's where we get most excited about how to attack the next you know, one to five years because organizations are still struggling to solve this problem today. Right. And and for as, as technically, you know, savvy as, as every major organization thought they were, you know, when COVID hit in, in early 2020, it was really just like a, a great testament to the fact that uh, I don't think, you know, we as as companies were as innovative, you know, internally with our, you know, employee communication and so forth as as perhaps we thought we were. Yeah, I mean, I think that's 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 really it, which is, you know, people tried to turn to experts, but the experts didn't exist yet. And so, you know, a lot of not just companies that are providing solutions, but individuals you know, realize that they have an opportunity to elevate their personal brand within an organization, let's say. So within a large organization, I have an opportunity to rise up because there's this need that's emerged within this company and within the world of, of you know, collaboration. And so all of these are just opportunities when we don't have answers and who's going to be the one that addresses those. And you don't have to get it right on the first try. You just got to make progress. Sometimes you just have to raise awareness of the problem. And so it's an opportunity not just for companies and products, uh, whether they're you know two-person startups or five thousand-person organizations or hundred thousand multi-you know billion-dollar organizations, but also individuals within companies, whether you're a thirty-person company or a you know ten thousand-person company. Mm. Samir, it's a big question, but 
you know, as somebody who's kind of been in the front lines assisting customers, you know, with this problem, I'm no doubt you have very, you know, interesting insights to say the least. This kind of great resignation, as people call it, this period with regard to employment that we find ourselves living through, this weird, you know, hodgepodge, you know, workforce of working from home remotely, working in the office, you know, a blend of the two, you know, also kind of the relationship between employer and employee, uh, especially within tech companies, is is another fascinating, you know, thing that we could dive into. Where do you, I mean, what, what do you make of this? Like, where do you see it going? What, what is kind of, what are your thoughts on, on where this all ends up and, you know, employment really over the next few years? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting because talent is always hard to source. And then now once you source it, because there's so much opportunity, because borders have been shattered with the pandemic in terms of how easy it is to reach people. What's the difference between somebody working out of their home down the street and somebody working, you know, say in the same time zone, but all the way on the opposite end of, of, of the, you know, the equator. So the great resignation, you know, is, is really, it's, it's, it's a new way of actually just dealing with employee engagement, employee experience that organizations have to get accustomed to. And one of the key things that we see happening is that so many companies are just trying to recreate the exact same thing in the office in a virtual setting. And it's not working, right? Like, it, it, I mean, it helps in many ways, but the reality is when you're dealt with a completely new problem, trying to just take the old thing and fit it in here is not going to work. It requires you to break your thinking. It, and, and flexibility is one of the things that has risen to the forefront, right? Like, I think if you like a lot of, there's a lot of surveys out there that research that people have done about, do people want to be in the office? Do they want to be at home? And and the reality is like a lot of those results somewhere in between and without clarity, what, what we're seeing is people want flexibility. And so how does collaboration happen in this flexible world? And people will continue to seek out new opportunities because now it's more competitive for for to, to retain talent, but it's on organizations to put the systems in place and to make progress in not just trying to retrofit the old ways to the new way, but of rethinking how do we engage employees? How do we deliver a great experience in this hybrid world? And if we just stick to our old ways and try to like shoehorn it into the new way people and employees want to work, it's not going to work. And that's really where we need disruptive thinking from people within organizations, but also you know, companies that are producing solutions that people leaders and even people managers can adopt. Mm. So, I mean, the answer in terms of like, you know, over the next few years, will we see a rise in folks going back full time in the office on site? Uh, will we see, you know, everybody working from home? It's not necessarily black and white like that, is it? It's really flexibility that people are after. Yeah. And, and really, you know, in the long term, right, there's going to be ebbs and flows over the next few years. But in the long term, you know, we're big believers that the sooner organizations accept that that flexibility is going to be part of the norm and start building the systems and the culture to support that, that the employees are demanding, the greater success they're going to have. You know, that's not the only factor, but talent is such a big part of growing a company 
that that's where people need to invest. That's where organizations need to invest. And those that don't do that over the long run will suffer because, you know, there's just going to be this competitive advantage that these other organizations have in terms of getting to employees and offering them a first class employee experience, no matter where they work, because talent exists everywhere. And and really, finally, so many organizations are are seeing that talent on the other side of the world can be just as good as talent in the person sitting right next to you. And it's about finding the people, right? Not finding the, the, the not, not restricting yourself to the geographies, but finding those people that can make a difference. And those people don't necessarily have to live down the street from you. Are you hopeful about this, this kind of, you know, diagnosis when talking about kind of the pulse of of you know the the talent industry and this this flexible solution that that people are after i mean it's going to probably ruffle some feathers as it has and you know as you said companies a lot of times organizations will try to duplicate an office kind of environment and ecosystem uh you know over kind of the screen as it were, but are are you hopeful? What are you, are you hopeful about the future? Yeah. I mean, def, I am definitely op- optimistic about not just, you know, virtual work and asynchronous work taking leaps and strides, but there is magic that happens when you meet someone face to face and how do you create that magic? And the question just exists on, does that need to happen all the time, day in and day out? Or do we just need to be intentional about creating that magic in different ways virtually, but also creating the opportunity in a more in-person setting? And so I'm not, I'm not actually a proponent of having, you know, every organization should be fully distributed and fully remote, but flexibility is the key. A lot of times I think it comes down to teams and how teams operate, especially in larger organizations. You know, it's hard to say this is the policy of the entire organization and everyone must ad- adhere to this level of three times a week coming into the office. I think the team matters. And so I think a lot of it is going to be organizations are going to adapt and they're going to learn. And ultimately, flexibility at the use at the employee level and at the team level is going to rise to the top. And organizations are going to continue to evolve. This isn't an easy transition by any means, but I'm confident in the way, you know, humans need to operate. Like they can't just live in silos. But also they can't be forced to come in all the time. So how do we create these happy accidents is a, is a problem that we're still trying to solve as, as, you know, globally, we haven't figured it out, but I'm optimistic given, given the way thinking has changed, you've seen organizations that were so rigid and didn't have any flexibility suddenly realize this needs to be a priority. So you see like the oldest old school organizations doing it. So you know that more and more are going to are going to do it as well. It's just going to take time to figure out what that balance is and how to create the magic. And, you know, within Poly, a tech company that's gone from strength to strength, you know, how, how is that panned out in terms of the, the company culture? I mean, are you guys a fully remote team? Uh, tell me about kind of how it's looked for Poly. Yeah. So, you know, just for background, we're about 30 people at Poly. We are fully remote. We were not prior to the pandemic. We did have a Seattle hub And then we had remote employees. And even before the pandemic, to include the remote employees, we used to do small things. Like if somebody remote was joining a meeting, you know, we made sure that everyone had their laptops open. So that way they would have, you know, great audio access to the to the individual speaking. And it's not that, 
you know, if somebody's sitting far from the mic, you can't really hear them and basically creates a subpar experience. So we were kind of in that angle of having, you know, a, a very remote friendly uh, work environment. And, and once the pandemic hit, we went completely remote. And so while we do have a higher concentration uh, in Seattle, that's really legacy. We'll hire people anywhere. And so now we have employees uh, in three countries and, you know, we're, we're continuing to look for people globally. We're not like fully global because there's, you know, there's logistical things that, that we need to take into account before hiring somebody anywhere. But there's great companies that are breaking down some of those borders in terms of hiring employees that we can just use as a service to go find talent anywhere. But that's been both an advantage, but at the same time, culturally, like we're still, we're still figuring things out ourselves. It's not an easy thing to do to be fully remote and create that magic. And so, you know, we're trying to do things like have in-person company events, especially now that, you know, it feels safer from a COVID perspective. So there's more investment in creating those, that in-person magic along with making sure we enable everybody no matter where they are. And, you know, this kind of difficulty that a lot of tech companies have had, well, all companies, especially those in the tech space, with, you know, finding attracting and retaining talent. Uh, candidly, is that something that uh, you've had to kind of juggle at at Poly or, or how have you navigated that situation? Yeah, I mean, it's always challenging. I think both, you know, as a small company in tech, you know, very tech focused, trying to recruit engineers, uh, go to market people, product people, designers, operations folks, right? Like across the gamut, it is hyper competitive. And for us, you know, we have to compete with a lot of the bigger players that can, you know, offer liquid stock because they're in public markets and we're not. And so for us, it's always about pitching the bigger picture and the opportunity that not just our equity provides, but that the opportunity provides. And so for us, it's double down on the mi mission, double down on the vision and become great storytellers. It's all about, you know, bringing people along for the journey because and a journey that we can all rally around, that we all believe in. Because otherwise, things fall apart. You can't compete on numbers with some of these bigger players. And so, especially as things have gone global, especially as more opportunities open up to employees, that, that's definitely a huge challenge for a small company like ours. But, you know, we just have to lean in on why we're here as an organization, why we're here as founders, and find people that that can buy into that, that get excited by that. And that's that's our advantage. And that's what we have to lean into because we have no other choice. I mean, we have to be competitive. We have to be competitive in comp as well. That's obviously a factor, but but the, the advantage or the differentiator for us has to be something else. Right. No doubt. No doubt. That's a that's I'm so glad that you were able to share that with us, uh, Samir. And Samir, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. I mean, I have just loved this conversation. We've hit on so many great topics, you know, from how the market is changing, how the, the talent industry is changing. I've loved hearing about, you know, your journey from Microsoft to Poly. But as we wrap it up here today, I guess, what would you leave our listeners with? We've covered a lot of great things, all super relevant, because as we record this, um, we're quite frankly, living through, um, you know, historic and unprecedented times as, as far as, you know, you know, everything we discussed here today. But what would you leave our listeners with, Samir? 
Yeah, I mean, thanks thanks for giving me the stage to to reach your users, Noah. This has been a great conversation. And you know, if if I'm just going to go back to one of the points that that I, that I brought up earlier, which is you know this this pandemic has really opened up an opportunity. So when I you know for for, for the listeners of this podcast, right, like there's no reason why that can't be you, why it can't be your team, why it can't be your company, and all of these are just opportunities, right? Like we don't need to be necessarily at the forefront of a big company building products. You could do it as an individual within your company. You could do it as a contributor to within a startup, and you could do it certainly within a big company uh, with your product. And so all of these opportunities exist. And, and when, when things change and people don't have answers, we don't have to solve it for everyone all at once, but we can be part of the solution. And I think there's just so much opportunity to raise the employee voice, to get to those voices and turn it into action. And that doesn't have to be through our product, while you certainly should check it out. It could just be in the actions that you take as an individual. And that ultimately helps us achieve our mission, even if you don't leverage Poly, because our mission is not to make Poly the number one company in the world, but it's to turn employee voice into action. And so that's, that's I think, one thing that everybody can do and, and make a difference, whether it's by themselves within their organization or as part of a, another company. I absolutely love that vision. Well, Samir Diwan, thank you so much, my friend, for coming on Leaders of B2B. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. My pleasure, Noah. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.